Hello and welcome to the Maryland Democratic Party's podcast. It is a very toasty summer afternoon in our state, and I'm on this podcast with two wonderful Marylanders and Prince Georgians. I am Brandon Stoneberg, your state party comms director and podcast host here today for the fourth episode of our second season. Alongside me here on Zoom is the best co-host, best mentor, and a wonderful friend, our chairwoman, Yvette Lewis. Yvette, how are you feeling? Really good. Had a great 4th of July celebration coming off of all the euphoria from yesterday. It was so great to see so many people come together in celebration of our country. But today is good for us because we get a chance to meet one of the newest members of our delegation. And I'm so anxious to hear from Congressman Ivey how he feels about now that he's caught the car, what it actually means for us having him in this position. I know what it means, but I want to hear from him what it means for us to have him in this position to represent the 4th Congressional District. We will talk plenty about the 4th Congressional District, one of our crown jewels of our state. So today we do welcome the newest member of our congressional delegation. Our guest is the husband of a county council member, the father of six, including one of our current delegates and our friend Julian Ivey, uh, Princeton and a Harvard grad. Very light work there. And a guest for the next 30 minutes here, Congressman Glenn Ivey. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. We're going to start with a, a question that we'd like to ask our guest. I mean, you've had a, a really incredible resume. You were a counsel to Senators Paul Sarbanes and Tom Daschle, uh, chairman of the Maryland Public Service Commission, Prince George's State's attorney, et cetera, et cetera. But if you could go back and tell that young Glenn Ivey back in Rocky Mount, North Carolina, that in a few you know, short decades, he'd have this journey, this path, what would his reaction be? <laughs> um, I guess disbelief. I mean, it was, um, you know, when I was living in Rocky Mount, it was the late 1960s. Um, you know, I, I don't even know how many African-Americans we would have had in Congress. Um, a lot of schools, including Princeton and Harvard, hadn't really sort of ramped up their affirmative action programs. They didn't really have any African-Americans going to school there. Um, Prince George's County was a predominantly white county um, that was, you know, frankly hostile to African-Americans, especially the police. Uh, so, you know, from, from that point, you know, looking forward from like 1967, 68, it's a, it's an unimaginable path. Um, so it's, I've, I've led a very charmed and blessed life. Um, I, I never could have imagined it would come together um, in this way. So, uh, you know, but having had the chance to do all of this stuff, you know, I really do want to make sure I, I do my part to make sure we do everything to move uh, the community forward, the nation forward, to try and have a positive impact and, and um, give back, you know, especially based on all the blessings I've received. Absolutely. That sentiment for community service is, is clearly felt by your family. The Ivy family has had public service in politics, you know, a, a delegate, a county councilwoman, and a congressman. Now, what are those discussions like when you guys all sit down at the dinner table? How much, how much policy talk happens there? <laughs> uh, yeah, I know it, it can get a little frustrating to the, the members of the family who don't always want to talk politics. And I've got another son who is um, a pollster, actually, he, he um, has been doing polling for um, political candidates and, and sort of corporate clients as well. Uh, so, you know, the four of us can really get rolling on this stuff, but um, you know, it's, 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 it's neat in the sense that, um, yeah, we can bounce ideas off of each other. You know, if one of us gets a call from somebody who needs help, uh, um, you know, like I might get a call for somebody that, that needs help at the county level. So 
we can refer it to each other. I I tell people when they call or they need help, you know, we're they can think of us as one stop shopping. You you don't have to to search around and make three calls. You can just call one of us and we'll figure out who's in best position to help you. But it's um it's a lot of fun and I think you know it, it reflects our commitment to public service and in our community and, and it's um really been very enjoyable from my perspective. So I guess my question for you is, was this organic in your family, right? Did you guys just come to this decision on your own or was it something that was like a groundswell in the family and say, hey guys, let's just all jump in and do this? Yeah, it was pretty organic, I would say. I mean, I, I initially, um, when I was a kid and interested in politics, you know, like I said, nobody was running for office and get, getting elected, if so, very few. Um, so I, I didn't really come to think of this as a possibility until, you know, um, I was in my early 20s. You know, I, I was at Princeton and Harvard when I really started thinking about, hey, maybe I can actually, you know, run for office and get elected. Um, and as I, you know, I got my first job on the Hill with Congressman John Conyers, and that's when I found out that this is really the kind of stuff that I could do and I think do well. Um, and, you know, later when I became a federal prosecutor at DOJ, uh, Eric Holder was my boss. Um, and I learned a lot from him, too. So having mentors like that really propelled me in the right direction and led me to think about running for office myself as a possible reality. Jolene decided to run for office. I'd, I'd spent my first term as state's attorney. Um, she'd been doing things. She was at home raising the kids and, you know, she'd founded, co-founded Mocha Moms and she was doing a lot of positive things in the community. And I think she concluded that, that um, you know, she saw people who were in some of these, these positions and she rightly, you know, decided, you know, I think I could do this better than they're, <laughs> than they're doing it. Um, and then she ran and won. Um, and, I, you know, Julian's a similar story. You know, he came along and I think first he was in 2016 after he decided to give up his acting career. He, As you may know, he'd been young Simba and Lion King on Broadway um, and, you know, had a lot of other uh, impressive roles, um, you know, in D.C. and New York. But, you know, he, he had a point where he just didn't want to keep um, chasing that anymore. and um, uh, you know, liked what we were doing. He was helping me and Jolene run for office and, and, you know, do things in the community. And I think he felt like he could formalize that um, and be an elected official himself. So it, his first take was as a delegate to the convention in 2016. And then in tw he ran for a local office and then he got elected to um, uh, Annapolis in the, the, the House of Delegates in the General Assembly. Uh, after that. So it's, I, I'd say it's been fairly organic. We, we, we didn't start out planning to do it this way, but, um, you know, it's, it's, as we moved forward, it made sense. And I think it's, it's really worked out very well. Uh, the, the public seems to know who we are and like what we've done and continue to do. And so um, that keeps us moving forward. Yeah, when when Julian joined us uh, a couple months ago on here, we had a we had a clip, a, a news clip from his his Simba days, his Broadway days. Uh, so we we had some fun with him on that. But speaking of winning and, and running elections, you were part of a historic one here in Maryland in, in 2022. What was it like having your campaign run run alongside um, 
Wes Moore, Aruna Miller, Brooke Learman, Anthony Brown, Chris Van Hollen, and, and, and so many more. There's a lot of energy on the campaign trail. What, what, was, what was it like being a part of that? Yeah, it was a pretty exciting cycle. Um, you know, we, we um, I, you know, pretty much we'd gotten through the primaries and um, I didn't really have much of a, uh, an opponent in the general election. Uh, so we were able to sort of chip in and help other folks um, on, on their march to making history. And, you know, I, I think there'd been some concern about some of these statewide races, um, given what had happened, you know, with, um, with, with, uh, in the 2014, uh, gubernatorial, but, you know, everybody ran strong campaigns, everything came together in the right way. Um, and, you know, it was, it was really great to see it happen and, you know, make Maryland really a trendsetter, uh, at the national level and, uh, having diverse candidates, um, have the chance to take statewide office and, and then actually getting it done. So it's, it was a neat year. And, uh, the, the only thing that's been better is uh, all of us moving forward now into um, the performance of the jobs and es- executing, um, you know, the, everything we need to do to help help the communities. And, and I think it's been going great, really across the board. It's very, very proud to be part of this team. Absolutely. And I want I want to get into a, a tougher, a tougher topic, but an important one here in Maryland, especially this week. Now, you have a, a law background, you know, state's attorney, chair of a police reform task force. And, and I believe the first bill you sponsored in Congress was the, the Raise the Age Act, which pushes for federal firearm licensees to be prohibited from selling semi, semi-automatic weapons to Americans under the age of 21, if I read that correctly. So it's safe to say that you have some experience in the area of, of gun laws. In less than a week, our state has seen a mass shooting here in Baltimore and another in Salisbury in the last 24 hours. My question to, to you, and I guess any of our leaders, is what can be done? What's next to keep our communities from having to, to keep burying so many young Marylanders? Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's the question of the moment, for sure, um, or at least it should be. I, you know, we've got Republican colleagues who continue to want to duck this issue. And, and um, like my Raise the Age bill, which basically would just say if you're 21 or under, you can't get an assault weapon. We already have legislation in place that says if you're 21 or under, uh, you can't get a handgun. Why they wouldn't want to make this, uh, you know, court, you know, uh, correspond with that is unclear to me. Especially since we have so many of these shootings where, you know, relatively young people, in some instances, kids are getting their hands on AR-15 and some of these other uh, weapons of death and just wiping out huge numbers of people. Um, Frequently, unexpectedly, a lot of these, these guys have no prior convictions, uh, but it's having a devastating impact in our communities and especially our young people from a mental health standpoint. So I think we need to definitely uh, focus on that. Hopefully we can regain control over the House, Senate and the White House and get some, you know, some of this legislation passed. I, you know, I would take an assault weapons ban over my bill any day of the week. Um, and then have some of the additional legislation, extended background checks and the like, things that I think are common sense measures that mostly, you know, 70 to 80 percent of Americans, even gun owners, think is, is, you know, makes sense. But I think in addition to that, you know, we need to have a focus on prevention and intervention. Um, as I mentioned a moment ago, a lot of these people committing the offenses don't have any significant uh, prior convictions, or in some instances, they, they have completely clean records. Um, so, you know, we got to find other ways to reach these guys before they get to the point where they're, they're picking up a gun and starting to kill people at random. Uh, I think the mental health piece is important. 
think it really needs, we really need to expand efforts uh, through our schools because uh, you know a lot of times these young men that are that are having trouble and starting to stray off the path that turns up in front of the school officials. Um, we need to try and reach them there. I think the violence interrupters. Um, you know, we've got some of those in Prince George's County. I think Angel also Brooks is uh, taking important and, and positive steps in that direction. I'm seeking funding to get more of those uh, in, in, in Prince George's County because uh, I think that's a help. Uh, and, and, you know, there are other, other approaches, too, um, you know, to try and get more of these guys out on the street or find more mentors. And the mentors can be coaches, pastors, neighbors. I mean, it you know, so fraternities, uh, you know, it doesn't, there's no specific or sole group. We need all hands on deck because it's, it's, this is an emergency. I think that, uh, uh, that we need to address and treat it like, uh, the scourge that it is. Um, uh, so I, I, I think we need comprehensive and coordinated approaches. You know, we can't rely on gun bans alone. We can't rely on violence interrupters alone. We can't rely on, um, you know, community policing alone. We need all of these things together uh, to try and make a difference. And even then, it's going to be an uphill battle. But, you know, we need to get, get started on it uh, and push more uh, to make sure we, we're reaching more kids, having more of an impact, and doing more to reduce the violent crime in our communities. Absolutely. And I want to talk a little bit about the the fourth the district you represent, the fourth congressional district. It's it's 318 square miles from the Laurel area up in north to down close to Fort Washington in the south, and and one of my favorite areas, the little Burtonville area. But it's home to a population that's nearly 90% Black, Latino, and Asian, uh, as a crown jewel of our state without doubt. But what would you say is a top priority for your district and your office here in, in the next couple months? Well, I mean, you know, uh, the gun violence piece that we just discussed is, you know, at or near the top of that agenda just because of the impact that it's having. But there's a lot of others, too. I mean, you know, improving the schools. We've got kids that that fell behind during the COVID era. Uh, I think we've got to do more to try and get, um, you know, additional teachers or tutors uh, to these kids to help them catch up. Um, and then once we get them in place, Catching up isn't enough because we were already, you know, behind as a county from a school performance standpoint. We should put that in place and keep it in place so that our kids not only catch up, uh, but but make a big leap forward in um, in their schooling and their education. Uh, so, you know, when it comes time when it comes time for college, um, you know, we've got reduced assistance from affirmative action. The student loan debt relief has has been blocked by the Supreme Court as well. We got to make sure these these guys, these kids are in position to get admitted to these schools and get financial aid from these schools too. Uh, I think another topic that we need to look at as well is, um, you know, saving the democracy. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, there was a time when that sounded overdramatic, but not anymore. I mean, I think it's it's clear at this point that Donald Trump represented a, a threat to democracy. He tried to uh, basically uh, impose a coup on the United States, block Biden from taking over the White House um, so that he could continue to be president. And he's still saying, you know, the elections were stolen. He's got, you know, his, uh, his minions that are out there saying that too, that are running for lower offices. Uh, we've got to make sure we keep fighting hard to block that and protect the electoral process. Um, and make sure people get out to vote to to um, 
to make sure that our votes and are, 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 are out there and their, our voices are heard um, and that our, that our views are, are taken into account. Uh, and then finally, I think there's you know, the economic issue. A lot of this is outside of the control of political you know, officials or elected officials, but uh, we can make a difference. You know, inflation's come down or slowed down. Uh, unemployment has been relatively low, and we want to. We've had a spike here lately, but we want to push it back down. I think we need to make sure we're doing as much as we can to help people get jobs um, to the extent they've had jobs. Make sure that they're getting a chance to get raises and benefit from the increases in productivity that have led a lot of corporate America to to make you know really billions of dollars in profits. We need to make sure that regular people who are working and making a difference uh, get a chance to benefit from that as well. So those would be my top priorities going into the next uh, 18 months. That's that's a heck of a list. I, I can't vote for you because I'm not in your district, but you, you'd have my vote if I could. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Congressman, we're going to get you with the, the really tough questions now, our rapid fire ones. Uh, so I'm going to give you about five or six quick fire questions. Just first answer that comes to your mind. Okay. Okay. First one, Orioles or Nationals? Nationals. That's a rough start, Congressman. I, I, Ravens or Commanders? <laughs> <laughs> commanders. <laughs> I, I might take back my vote for you now. After uh, <laughs> you know, I, hopefully you're, you're talking about teams that support and not teams who are like doing the better job because clearly the O's and Ravens are doing way better than my Nationals and Commanders are. <laughs> If, if you could have lunch or beer or coffee with one of the first 40 presidents, so pretty much anything pre-1990s era, who would you choose? Hmm. Um, I guess FDR. Um, you know, he, he was a phenomenal president. Um, you know, next to that, maybe LBJ, because at least I would have... Um, some, you know, cultural context with him, you know, having been at least overlapped a little bit in his era. And boy, what a difference that he made. Um, yeah, I'd say LBJ, LBJ. Okay, that's, I think that's the first time we've heard LBJ during that. We've asked that question three or four times. That's definitely the first time we've heard him. Uh, what would you say is the best food spot in your entire district? Oh, wow, we've got a lot of good ones. Um, <laughs> And you're going to get me in trouble from picking just one. Um, but Jolie and I have been eating a lot at um, at uh, Franklin's. I mean, it's been a real cornerstone for us. It's It's been in our neighborhood for, oh, geez, over like 25 years now. And they do a lot of great stuff in the community. So I, I love Franklin's. What's the last show you binge watched? Succession. I keep hearing that one. I'm five or six episodes in. And it's, it's it's starting to heat up a little bit more, but it had a real slow start for me. Uh, but but I'm getting there. You've had, you've watched Succession already, right? Yes, yeah, I, I watched it. And I, it is, I mean, I, I, I go ahead. I, I was going to say, I mean, I yeah, you know, I'm glad I watched it, but I wouldn't I, I wouldn't necessarily push people <laughs> if 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 you're five in and you're not digging it, move on. <laughs> <laughs> It does get better, though. It does get better. It's it, it, it's one of those shows when you watch it, you learn a lot about the human condition, and I think that's the thing that was so fascinating to me um, in watching it. So 
Congressman, this is our this is my new favorite it, question. It, it, it's a good shit. This one, this next question is my favorite one. This is the one we're going to end on. Give me your Mount Rushmore of Maryland politicians, your four favorite Maryland politicians of all time. Wow. Um, well, Paul Sarbanes, he was a great mentor to me and a, and a phenomenal sen senator. Um, boy, I, does Thurgood Marshall count? I mean, I guess he wasn't a politician, but what a consequential figure. Um, you know, so I would put him up there. Frederick Douglass would be another one. Um, not, an, not a politician who ran for office, but one who had a, a great and continuing lab, uh, effect on, on our political system. And, and a great, I get one more. And influence on the people who did run for office. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I guess Denny Hoyer has been really phenomenal. Um, and I, I don't think he's really gotten the type of credit that he deserves for the impact that he's had, um, you know, for his 40 plus years in office, he's, he's really been a giant. Um, and he's, you know, having a chance to serve with him, you really get a sense of how greatly respected he is here and rightly so. And on both sides of the aisle, everybody loves Steady Hoyer. Well, between Hoyer, Douglas, Marshall and Sarbane, that's, that's a heck of a, a, a squad right there for you. <laughs> it's a good group. Uh, yes, yeah, it, it reflects the talent that Maryland Maryland breeds. Yeah, I would I would take that I would take that group up against any any state. That's for sure. But based off your commanders and, and nationals answer, I might not I might have uh, Julian Ivy and Jolene Ivy on my on my Mount Rushmore before I put Glenn Ivy up there. At, just at the moment. <laughs> well, you're not alone. <laughs> well, just understand with Brandon, it's a Baltimore thing. Just, just know that. That's a, that's the right. I love it's, Baltimore, though, man. I, I appreciate that. I love yeah, Frank. Gotta love ball. That's right. Okay. 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 Frank, frankly, the solid series. We we share that. But those those are some good answers. I, I like the I like that Mount Rushmore. That's that's one of our best Mount Rushmore so far. Congressman, I want, I want to thank you for joining us and, and, and joking back and forth with us, friendly banter. That was a really incredible show. Uh, we hope everyone enjoyed it. Please tell your friends to subscribe and leave a review for us. And more importantly, they're staying informed and, and keep working. Like the like the congressman said, it's it's all hands on deck and, and we gotta we gotta keep pushing. But thank you guys, and we'll see you next time.